make the call to the mm-hmm. therapist that you've been looking at. Okay. Like, and not just you, right, right. just in general is like, you know, you, you need to get that thing that's in the front of your mind off. You need to, you need to lay it down. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. We carry it around every day. Make the call, reach out to the therapist. Um, and your life can be changed. Welcome back to the Two Stubborn to Fail podcast, where we tell stories about overcoming adversity. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel to really help us out. Today, we have a very special guest. Um, so I really have about three different worlds that I operate in. I have my family and business, work, and then fitness. Absolutely. And you are part of my fitness world. Yeah. Because we work out pretty much every day together. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so without further ado, we have a licensed professional counselor in the building with her own private practice, Ashley Waddington. How are you doing today? Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm not even going to lie. Um, yeah, doing great. It's been... It's been a nightmare just trying to organize <laughs> this thing, but that's just a testament to how busy you are and right. me, right, um, right. just how busy things are. But I am grateful that you agreed to come on because yeah. you know you definitely fit fit the bill. Um, so just growing up, you you are from Ohio, right? So what part of I Ohio? I am. Are you from? I'm from Sandusky, Ohio. So if you've ever seen the movie Tommy Boy, uh-huh. if you ever heard of Cedar Point, um, that's our claim to fame. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I'm from there, born and raised there. Um, I lived there until I went off to school. Um, I loved growing up in Ohio. We mm-hmm. lived right on the lake. So, um, Sandusky's like right in between Cleveland, Ohio and Toledo, Ohio. Oh. So it's like dead in the middle of the state, most North you can go. Um, so yeah, lake life, full seasons, uh-huh. feet of snow in the winter, you know, hot summers. I was ask that. Yep. <laughs> Yes. Lake effect is snow is so different too. Um, Yeah. So born and raised there. Loved it. I went to um, my undergrad in Ohio. I went to Ohio University. So go Bobcats. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Um, I went there on actually a running scholarship. I ran um, cross country and track in college. Yeah. That that would explain a lot. (laughs) The running stuff that that we have to do. You're like, hold on. (laughs) Yeah. I knew it was some kind of sports background in there, but I just didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. But now that you say that, that makes a lot of a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what back then, um, what was your some of your inspirations? Oh, these I, I knew these were gonna be good. And mm-hmm. I know that we've been trying to get on each other's calendars yeah. for a long time. And I've watched the podcast mm-hmm. and and that too. Um so I've been trying to think through how I'd answer some of these mm-hmm. questions. Definitely my parents. Um I have a very strong relationship with both my mom and my dad. My dad's no longer living, um, but they were just great models for my motto is work hard, play hard. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, when you were, when I found out you were doing the too stubborn to fail thing, I was like, this really aligns with like my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were, you know, they were such a, a strong background. Uh, we have a very close knit family, like my mom's side and my dad's side. My dad was one of five. My mom was one of three. A lot of kids, a lot of grandkids, just close knit family. Mm. So I think that like, dream big, set your goals higher than what you think you can do. Mm-hmm. Like that's always just been something that was just preached. I, I remember being like, I think I was like in second or third grade, and my dad would always recite like, "What's the goal?" And it was like honor roll. Mm-hmm. So it's like I've always had the goal is like to be 
like strive for the best, mm. try to be, try to be the best that you can be. Um, and if things get in the way, you know, don't be too stubborn to fail. Like <laughs> it literally just the, the lifeline. Like it's like you were taught goal setting at an early age. So early. Yeah. And that's important because if you don't have anything to strive for, what are you doing? It's Absolutely. Just, it makes, it makes everything more tangible in a sense. Um, but what, at what point did you know that you were going to go into like that psychology? Type oh of my gosh. So this is actually probably going to lead into like a too stubborn to fail moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so in college, I was originally um, going to be in, I wanted to do physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the issue was, is I couldn't pass like the chemistry classes. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was like, being weeded out Mm -hmm. and so like my junior year like my grades were terrible and of course I had to have certain grades because of sports Mm -hmm. um so I had to essentially figure out what else I was going to do so I just took an intro to psychology class and in that class they discussed the disease my dad had and that Mm -hmm. he ended up dying from and um because it's a uh, neurocognitive disorder that he had um so from there yeah I just I I heard about his disease in there and then I just was like I'm gonna check out this psychology thing mm-hmm. ended up like doing super well in the classes uh, I you know I finished up I took a fifth year because <laughs> I had eligibility to run because I redshirted a year um, just to like get stronger mm-hmm. um, and running at a division one levels challenging yes. <laughs> so yeah I, I I took a fifth year I I just threw myself into the psychology world at the same time my dad was getting sicker. Um, mom was primary caregiver working full time. I would be traveling back and forth. He passed away my senior year. And from there I was like, I know I want to be in a helping professional field. I know I don't want to be a nurse. Cause I don't want to be touching blood, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I don't want to be like looking at that. So, so yeah, I, that kind of led down a beautifully long path of like where I'm at now that I, I think if you would have asked me, you know, 15 years ago that I'd be owning a private practice in downtown Columbia in South Carolina, like that would have never been something that would have crossed my mind. So when did you, when did you come here? Yeah. So, so in the, in the timeline story, I, I took a fifth year, um, at OU, um, loved every second of it. I needed that fifth year. I needed to grow up a little bit more party a little bit more, you know, like all the things. Um, so then I took a year off. Uh, I took a gap year. Mm-hmm. That was also crucial for me because I also still just needed to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. In that gap year, I applied to schools all over. I knew I didn't want to stay in Ohio. Um, I was in this frame of mind that was like, if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to go somewhere for like two years of my life. I'm going to and then I'll just move back to Ohio. <laughs> famous plan, last words. Yeah, fam- <laughs> famous last words. And then, um, so yeah, so I interviewed at USC. It actually wasn't even my top choice. Mm-hmm. My top choice was Penn State. Um, and so I came here and I didn't have like, there wasn't any high stakes. Mm-hmm. And interview was awesome. I loved downtown Columbia. I, I came with my now husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just checked out the area. And I decided to go here because my mom was simply like, I hope you're not choosing Penn State to be closer to Ohio. Mm-hmm. And so she was the one that was really like, go, like, oh. take this opportunity. Of course, I, I preached that. Right, right, right. I'll be there two years. I'll be there two years. It's going on. This will be nine years in August. Mm-hmm. Own a home. <laughs> own a business. <laughs> very established. Yeah. yeah. And here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that's, don't that's have awesome. any plans to leave. So you've known your spouse for a while. How long yeah, is that? How long yeah, is that? it is. 
Yeah, 10 years. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we met in Ohio working at the same restaurant. Oh, <laughs> That's literally really? like how we met. He was my manager. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I was a bartender at the time. Um, yeah, and we just like hit it off. And it was very early on when we started dating. And I was like, listen, I'm moving. So you're either coming or we're breaking up. And he's like, just quit my job. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> so I guess we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So I guess we knew we were it pretty yeah. early. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was that was a heck of a leap. Yeah, <laughs> for him, you knew you had, you know, right. I had a kind of like a plan at least for two years. Like I'm going to do my master's in counseling, and then I'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And and he actually had no plan mm-hmm. at all. He was just like, I I love you, so I'm going to come. And I'm like, you awesome. Know what? That's a very god thing to do. We really <laughs> there are. I'm not going to say all guys, uh, but for the majority of us we do kind of go with the flow maybe not to the level of moving <laughs> of 10 movie, hours away yeah <laughs> but we do for the most part just go with the flow i know i'm guilty of it um, yeah in the house that my wife and i live in i didn't look at it until we moved in so that's the kind of yeah that's the kind that's what that's just what we wait do. did she see it first oh, yes. okay oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, you just trusted her yeah, opinion yeah. yep yep like, yeah, i'm just gonna trust here. this is gonna work out <laughs> We're here, so I definitely understand from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, but just to dive deeper into um, your background, yeah. Um, what it. was the process like of becoming a professional counselor? It's extensive, yeah. you know. Um, so you have to have a master's degree. So I did it at USC. My master's is in rehabilitation counseling, actually. So mm-hmm. it's not like clinical mental health. It's not marriage and family. It's not school counseling. It's actually a specialty in disability work. Mm -hmm. So I am actually qualified to do like evaluations for individuals that do have like disabling conditions Mm -hmm. to like they want to go back to work, Mm -hmm. figuring out other plans for their life if they're if if something happens to them and they're not able to go back into that natural workforce. Mm Kind of cool specialty because it's very small. Uh, So yeah, so I, I got my master's here, School of Medicine at USC and the process for getting your licensure is you have to have a two-year period where you're collecting 1,500 supervised hours, meaning I have to be meeting with clients like 1,500 hours right. worth. Um, and then a, a, por- a small portion of that is you actually are meeting with a supervisor to mm-hmm. talk about the cases that, that you're working on. So you have two to three years to do it, but you really just want to do it in two because right. it's a lot. You have to report all these things, uh, keep track of hours, keep track of – all the little numbers of how many people you're seeing per week. So it comes out to being like you have to record like 10 to 15 hours a week wow. with a client, like direct hours. That is a lot before you get there. So um, yeah. I understand that you're currently working on a degree. What is that? Yeah, yeah. So on top of – okay, so whenever I got I got licensed, I got licensed, fully licensed in 2019. So I was provisionally licensed – 2017 to 2019. And then after you've been licensed for five years, you can actually go up to be a supervisor. So I'm actually a a licensed supervisor now as well. So I I supervise people that are trying to get licensed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now what I'm doing, (laughs) I pinky promised my business partner, (laughs) I have to give her a shout out. Also, Lenita Jefferson, my lifeline. Uh, She's my, the co-owner of Carolina Assessment Services. Pinky promised her one night over a couple beverages. Mm -hmm that we are going to get our PhD together in counselor education. They have a fantastic counselor education program at USC, really well known. 
um, I had done some work with people there on, on some research things and been a part of that like over the past couple of years. So I knew some of the faculty and I also knew that, you know, they really care about driving the field of counseling forward. And I just knew I wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. So it's a three-year program. I just finished second year. So I'm going into dissertation year and very excited to be done. It feels like, I, you know, I'm going to be done in Less than 10 months. Right. It's like nine months from now. I, I will be a Dr. Waddington. I will be. Mm, that has a nice ring. I will be doing that. And, you know, I can't wait for that moment where, you know, my chair, my mentor throughout this process is going to be walking through that door like, congratulations, Dr. Waddington. Like, you did mm. it. You know, and my partner's going to be doing it too, Dr. Jefferson. So it'll be a really awesome moment. But, yeah, that's – I I love school. Mm-hmm. I didn't in undergrad because I was kind of weeded out of that process with the biology and and the chemistry stuff was really what it was. And so I guess once you get into something that you like, you know, you mix pleasure and work and then it doesn't feel like work anymore and it's all pleasure, that's kind of where I'm at. That is great. So are we done? Are we done? This is going to be it. (laughs) This is going to be it. (laughs) Well, degree-wise, this is the highest I can go. Mm. 2% 2% of the world has PhDs. Right, that's true. 2% of the world has it. Now, will I get more trainings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Will I? Am, this In this field, you have to be a lifelong learner. So right. being a counselor, you have to stay with the times. We were just talking about mm-hmm. that, you know, with social media world and things being virtual. Like, you have to be, like, ahead of the game. So, like, with that comes research and, like, research behind, like, how teletherapy works compared to in-person. Right. Or just looking at, like, the idiosyncrasies of, you know, body language when you're with someone in front of them versus when they're through, you know, the phone or through telehealth or Zoom, whatever. So, yeah, there's – I'm going to have a hand in a lot of that, driving that field forward. And uh, one of the the things that my partner and I are are doing some research on is, like, integrating, like, hip-hop into therapy. And so that's her her main line of of research and, like, lyrics and and looking at that and then connecting to like black african-american individuals and like getting them into the therapy room yeah yeah we'll discuss that a little later we are gonna for sure just to piggyback off of um your point about the pandemic what was that like to Mm. navigate that because i know it was it was difficult for many fields but in your field specifically what were some of those challenges yeah i'm not gonna lie it like threw our field forward. Mm-hmm. It was a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. It people, um, excuse me, like physically, of course, things were awful. Mm-hmm. However, mentally, people were more anxious, mm-hmm. more depressed. There were more traumatic things. People were losing work. People didn't know when this was going to end, and mm-hmm. it's not over. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like there's still this kind of the struggle of like, what's the right thing to do? How can you manage your anxiety knowing that all this stuff is is still happening? Mm-hmm. And like, you're just trying to follow regulations, but also trying to do good work. And it drew, I mean, we had the best year ever in 2020. What happened in 2020 yeah. for our business was, you know, Lenita and I had a 10 foot by 13 foot office we shared. Mm-hmm. So we were never there at the same time. Yeah. So we were just because money and we're like, hey, we're trying to build a business, you know. In 2020, we we went from having uh, – we, we found a new space that had three offices in a waiting room. 
by the by November, we had knocked down a wall and expanded into like a conference room, a kitchen. We had hired, you know, I think at, at that point, like two more people to work for us um, because we were like, we have so such an influx of people. The, the Getting the clientele wasn't the issue. If, if anything, there's not enough therapists in the world. Like that's just what it is. Uh, so as far as challenges, I think it was just keeping up with the load mm-hmm. of like the influx of clients and, and people that just needed help. I think it was it's interesting because during that time period, that was the first time that a lot of people got a chance to breathe and realize that there was a problem. Because yeah. before we were all on the hamster wheel going to work every day, but work had stopped. So yeah. now you have a chance to evaluate yourself in mm-hmm. a sense or hold that mirror up and maybe even discover that you may not like the people that you live with. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, domestic violence went up 40%. Mm. That that statistic alone, terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rates of suicide went up. I want to say it's like 23. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. I don't have it right in front of me, but like 23% suicide rates went up. Mm-hmm. Um it's just like, like I said, like the loneliness, the realizing, oh. I don't know if I like my situation I'm in. I stayed home. That, that I will say that was a challenge. I am not a work from home person uh-huh. um, because I'm an extrovert and I crave interaction. And, and that was probably the biggest challenge for me. So my partner and I, we were home for about eight weeks and I was like, I have to step foot in an office. I don't care if I see people virtually, but I have to leave my house. Right. Right. I cannot be here anymore. Um, Cause myself, right. I was like, I'm not I don't feel like I'm being the best therapist I can be because mm-hmm. I can't even tend to like the needs that they have because I can't even tend to my own needs. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the workday stops. Right. Like because you're it, always at home. It's, yeah. It's not like it's time to go home at this point. Absolutely. And and like the struggle everyone was having was you know I just threw a load of dishes in and I had this ten o'clock meeting and then I'm gonna throw laundry in and then the workday never stops. Mm-hmm. There's no break. So yeah, that part that part is is a challenge and a lot of people don't they. It just wasn't – it didn't go well mm-hmm. for, like, clients, right? For right? Clients, like, so. that break. Mm-hmm. They stopped to breathe. There was a pause in the world, mm-hmm. and they were like, now what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's actually where I kind of got back into fitness seriously because um, before that point, I had never consistently went to the gym. I may be on three months, off six months, on six months, off, whatever, but mm-hmm. – at that point, like I said before, that was an opportunity to hold that mirror up and say, what can I fix about me? Yeah. Um, I know everybody can't do that, but I kind of took the bull by the horns and I put it, you know, on me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when I came to title. Um, and then I've been here ever since. Yeah. And, you know, just being able to consistently work out day in and day out, not for the results, but but for, I guess, the consistency. Um, and it's, it's something psychological about being able to get up every day and, and just knock out a workout, especially in the morning. We come to the gym at 530 in the yeah, morning. Yeah, right. That's, that's in itself, you know, something that most people wouldn't do. Even in the gym, you know, we mm-hmm. it's only about six or seven of us that come. Right. Um, <laughs> sometimes two. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes two. two. <laughs> um, but it's a, it is. It's a different feeling. But at the end of each workout, I feel as though I'm more equipped to start my day. Absolutely. And then I don't have to worry about going to the gym after work, which mm-hmm. that's what I was doing at one point. And I really, 
overall, it just became routine. Now I know the clock, the clock is going to go off at 430 in the morning. I get up, I come here at 530 mm -hmm. and then my day starts. Yeah. It's like, it's just a part of it's Now it's just a part of it for me. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, without it, it kind of helped with my mental health as well because oh, you know sure. just to be able to come in here and uh, blow off some steam not that i have a hard life but we all need some kind of mm -hmm. escape um and coming here that's my escape to be able to either hit a bag or lift weights but be a uh, more importantly just to conquer the workout because we do some stuff in here <laughs> we, yeah and then we go live our regular life literally before an hour at a time we're superheroes <laughs> in the morning which i i really like um mm -hmm. what do you would you say that's kind of like the same thing for you as far as is working yeah. out what, what's fitness like for you what does it mean to you yeah yeah so fitness has been a huge part of my life for as long as i can remember i, I think i started running like seriously like in middle school seventh and eighth grade is when I started like running long distance that was just like in our family a lot of people do long distance running and so yeah started that and then uh ran in college I had a I had a really healthy relationship with running actually it's a slippery mm -hmm. slope um especially for females division one mm -hmm. a lot of eating disorders a lot of you know, I have to, I have to get this 15 mile run in before I do anything else. So it's very conditional relationship, you know? So I had a very healthy relationship with running though. Fortunately, I, I had some like minor injuries, but never was out for things. Um, did, did well with running right after I actually coast coached for a while. I coached at Columbia college. That's what I did while I was in my master's program. So I was a coach for a bit, um, for cross country and track. And I was the head coach there for a little bit, which is pretty cool. And uh, so, yeah, I did that. And then I can successfully say, and I'm very happy to say, I have not ran a step outside of what we do here. Mm -hmm. I have not ran probably in over a year. Really? And it feels wonderful. I You don't realize like how almost monotonous an exercise can be. And I, and I just always relied on running because mm -hmm. it was easy. But like my, my hip pain, knee pain, just like it, now it's like, I don't have it anymore. Mm. It's just like running on pavement all the time. Yeah. So yeah, so I will say I got I got recommended to do boxing actually from my doctor mm. um, because of I have I had the beginning stages of carpal tunnel, mm. um, computer just sitting desks all the all those things and it's gotten better since being here. And he's like, I think we should just try to do something different, like yeah. work it out differently. Mm -hmm. And I guess just like having the wraps on or gloves like so yeah that's how i got here <laughs> so yeah and i was like i just need to switch it up i i don't want to do spinning because i hate that yeah, wants to do that <laughs> no one um and so i was just like yeah let's let's try this hmm. yeah really i never thought about that being being a prescription for carpal tunnel yeah my doctor's like it'll just be it'll be oh. helpful for you and so i was like okay let's let's try to do something wow so do you miss running at all? Runner's high. Yeah. Yeah. I get a high from here though. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a different type. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different <laughs> type, right? Like it's it's funny. Um, because I whenever we were gonna do this, I was gonna say, is my first thing gonna be like, woo! Right, <laughs> right. You know, like the, the title woo. Um and you know, it's just it's great here. Mm -hmm. It's really great. It, it, you know, a lot of people know about you. I call you my uh 
title bestie mm. um so like my bestie darren you know <laughs> blah, blah blah and it's like so funny because we really don't know much about right, each other right. but we kick each other's asses every day, every day. <laughs> and we're like encouraging and like you know trying to lift each other up and i'm like and one day i think my husband or like my friend was just like like well what do you know about him i'm like i i think he's i know he's married right. he has three kids <laughs> he lives close to here and he works at usc right. <laughs> Those are the hey, four that's pretty things. good that's probably more than 98 percent of the people that come to the gym know about yeah (laughs) and and to think like our hour here is jam-packed so to even know that information just like in passing like Mm -hmm. i remember the day that i was like what do you actually do you know and you're like i work at usc i'm like oh my gosh how wild because i do so much stuff with usc Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's just it's been really cool it has been um and like I said before, we do a lot of amazing things in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see, you actually took my after picture. Yes, I, I did. You took my after I did. Picture, um, I remember that. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. But just to, to be able to see the growth um, from a whatever, how long, two, 200 workouts or whatever, which is mm-hmm. insane right. to say. That <laughs> who knows how many rounds that is. Um, but. Just to be able to build that rapport with people, like you said, we we work out with um, a group, and we just don't really know a whole lot about each other. But in this setting, we are like family. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Which I think is pretty cool because mm-hmm. you don't you wouldn't get. It's a different environment than going to a normal gym. I completely agree i i hype up title all the time well one because i just love the fact that when i when i walk in and they're like ashley what's up or like just remember the last thing Mm -hmm. that i talked about with them like you know just like the check-in of like let me look in the eyeballs for a second and just be like hey are you good or you know i love that Mm -hmm. i never had that anywhere i used to go to move Mm -hmm. um for a while and it's just such a huge gym mm. that like you're you're just a number you're there a right number. you're a body Check that's filling us a space <laughs> and it's never felt that way here no no from day one it's always felt welcoming mm-hmm. and um the staff does a really good job of, of making us feel like they want us here yeah you know absolutely more than, I agree. Just, more than just a membership mm-hmm. which i love yeah um i love that too but to to kind of to get back into the uh mental health field yeah let's do it what did you have any tips for anyone that was looking to kind of following your footsteps as far as going going that route that you were yeah i i have a couple uh one would be diversify what you're looking into Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is like if you think that you want to work with kids, try adults too. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. I I said I did not want to work with kids. Mm. I did not. <laughs> you knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I love children so much, but I'm very insight oriented. And so I knew that young children, they don't have the insight and awareness, mm. right? It's very much behavior, action, like impulsive. I'm going to do this. So yeah, diver- diversify that. So my first job was working with kids. Um and and a lot of my work, and I don't even know if you really have an idea of like the the population I serve at all. So I, a lot of my population is is sexual trauma, uh, physical trauma. Trauma is really like it's 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 a hot word right now, yeah. right? Um, adverse experiences, uh, post traumatic stress disorder. So physical, uh, verbal, mental, psychological, sexual abuse is is really like kind of where my wheelhouse is. I have extensive training in uh, trauma-informed work. Uh, I'm trained in a 
it's called uh, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing EMDR. I'm trained in that, which is like a really like a what I call a CTJ, a come to Jesus moment with <laughs> with yourself. Um, of like, you know, we have these experiences and we hold on to these things that have happened to us, and and what it does is it creates this this neural network of I'm not good enough mm. or I'm all alone or any negative belief that you can think of. And it kind of switches that up and makes you have a different relationship to those memories that you have and hold on to. doesn't erase the memories, just helps you kind of manage them better so that that trauma or that adverse experience doesn't like hold on to you like a chokehold. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, so like that's my population. So sorry, going back to the original question, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, okay. I'm just <laughs> like a, yep, just going back and forth. But Diversify that. So I work with children first, and I'm not gonna lie, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I was really good at it. I I have energy of a child. Sometimes people, I look young, so sometimes people are like, "You look like you're 12," and I'm like, "Okay, well, we're just gonna <laughs> go with it." Yeah, because kids don't have any perception right, of that age right. thing. Uh, so yeah, I loved it, um, and it got me out of my comfort zone because I kind of thought therapy. I mean. If you've never been to therapy before, I think what you imagine is you're laying on a couch and someone's sitting behind mm-hmm. you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? And my husband's always like, he always says, you know, hey, did someone like lay on the couch today? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, that's not what happens. It's not a thing. Yeah. No, that's not what happens. But when you work with kids, you're on the floor. You're, you know, you're tracing your body. You're, you know, you're moving around because you're trying to keep their attention. And it got me out of my comfort zone. So that's what made me really step into being like who I could be as a therapist. And now I'm like, you know, I don't care who the client sees. They're going to see me though. They're going to see me. I'm being like, whoo, hell yeah, you did it. Like I'm a, I'm a cheerleader in the, in the room. I'm listening. I love being close and close to pain. That's the thing. That's, that's what keeps me coming back for more. It's like, I can sit with you in the pain that you're in and help you hold it for a little bit, not take it away from you, but like, let you know, like you're seen, you're validated. You're gonna be okay, and someone else is here. Man, so be—I didn't know that that was your specific um, niche, um, but I would imagine on a daily basis, it's a lot of uh, unpacking that you have to do at the end of the day. Yeah, what it is does. that process like? That's another tip. So mm-hmm. that gets actually ties back to the, the question you asked me before: mm-hmm. is not only do you want to diversify where where you're gonna be, you also need to have a routine when you get home. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, so I also, I, I, I would come in the morning. I've actually usually been a pretty consistent morning person mm-hmm. here at Tidal. Um, but sometimes I would wait till the end of the day. And that's just, I have no brain power left. Right. So I'm very routine when it comes to getting home. So the first thing I do, <laughs> I walk in the door and I have to immediately go change my clothes. Um, so I'll, I'll go upstairs and change my clothes. And a lot of times I'll just like, I look at my husband in the eye. I'm like, hi, I see you. I just can't be here with you right now. I need 10 or 15, 10, 15 minutes up to 30 minutes. So I usually have to tell him this is how much time I need today. I'll spend some time upstairs. Usually I'm like taking off like my makeup or, you know, just like taking some breaths. I have like a foam roller at home. So I'll foam roll. Cause I have like a lot of I sit all day, so it's like I I'm just a lot to carry, right? Like stress wise. Um, sometimes I have to just like have him hold me, like hug me. You know, we don't need to talk. We don't need to talk about the day. Um, in fact, I don't often talk about the day. So I'll just say things like, "Today was a hard day," um, or "Today was heavy." Um, and he kind of knows right. by now. So sometimes I'll just need, need a hug because, mm-hmm. you know, research shows that we need at least seven hugs a day. So really? if you're not getting that, 
Humans I need connection. You're hug deficient. You got to up your hug yeah, game. Yeah. So I always make him just like hold me and hug me. We usually make dinner together and we sit down at the table, talk. And it's just, it's not about, it can't be about like anything too heavy because I'm just like, I'm still not there yet. We usually take our dogs for a walk and we come home and I'm like, okay, I can, okay. I can be here. So I'm very routine oriented and it's not always perfect. Sometimes I get home and I'm like, I have to throw on my pajamas right now. <laughs> like Ooh, I have to yeah, like lay down. Yeah. Um, also, what comes with that, um, what, I, what I didn't realize is therapists need therapists too. Yes. What, what is that like? Just being there? Do you see someone? As I well? do. Yes. Yeah. I love my therapist. She is the shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love her. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I probably am pretty judgmental over therapists that don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. It's not because I feel like you need to have some stuff to go to a therapist. Like, and I'm saying that with quotations, right? Like, you don't need to have stuff to go to the therapist. We need to unload. Yes. Humans don't unload. Kids do all the time. Yes. Because they have no filter, right? (laughs) And then at some point, usually around age seven is like the pivotal age Uh of when things really transition and change for kids. They learn, I don't share as much or I don't see other people doing this Mm. as much. So I have to turn in. Mm. So a lot of times, like, we lose that time where we're just very honest and open about, like, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm, I feel scared or all this. We don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so as adults, we really don't do it. Yeah. So I needed unloading. Yeah, I went to her yesterday and I was like, all right, sit down and buckle in because I got a lot to say. <laughs> um, and she's, she's fantastic and wonderful and every person in our practice sees someone. That's okay. kind of like a, a, a requirement. Uh-huh. Like a standard. Un, un, unwritten. Uh-huh. We have a lot of interns too. And that's part of our contract with our interns is that this this internship is mm-hmm. not going to get in the way of you be seeing therapy. Right. So if you need to go while you're here, you need to do that. Yeah. So make time in your, in your schedule for it. It makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I'm just now learning as an adult the importance of mental health mm-hmm. in, in itself. Um, and how important it is to take time out to work out, take time out to have a hug, you know, take time away um, just to not only unpack, but shut your brain off that you're not focusing on the monotony of day-to-day, day-to-day work. Absolutely. As humans, we're, you have to think about it. I like to, how I explain it to clients is, is like, we're either forward or backward. Mm -hmm. Forward causes anxiety. Backward causes depression. Yeah. We're, if we're just here, we can just assess where we're at. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that just means that, like, I have to physically put my phone down and mm-hmm. just, like, hug my husband. Right. Like, I have to touch. I have to touch him. I have to, you know, just be around people. I have to laugh. I have to, like, watch something funny. Like, you just have to be in the moment mm-hmm. so that it's not so anxiety-driven or depression-driven. I, I totally agree. Because like you said, just just being in the moment can be therapeutic within itself. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say that this podcast is therapeutic. It is. <laughs> it is. I was listening to it. Um, I forget the last, the last episode I listened to was, I forget who the person was. Of course, it's going to slip right. my brain right now. Um, but they also had ath- athletic stuff and they talked about mental oh, yeah, health. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was the last one. That's actually a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, Kenny, Kenny Graham Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good episode. It was a um, great episode. Too, I mean, because especially as men, um, we're taught sometimes, I can't speak for all men, but uh, the majority of men that I know, 
we have a hard time expressing um, our true feelings. We're we're in a sense expected to hold a lot in, and uh, you know, as a as a provider or you know, being that being that main point of contact for the home, just being an overall uh, protector in a sense um, that comes with a lot. Um, it's a lot of pressure. And if you don't, if you don't ever let that go, that can be dramatic um, to hold in. It's never, it's yes. never good to hold in your feelings. Absolutely. Um, but it's something that a lot, like I said, a lot of us learned early as boys were just supposed to suck it in and man up in a sense. That's um, it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm learning that it's okay to let somebody know that there's something going on with you. Um, as a matter of fact, it's, it's almost required. Required. You know? Like we have, we have to know, like, and you know, I think that the, the intuition of women mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, or people that identify as female, right. right? Like is that we can really see through mm-hmm. a lot, right? Like I, I can look at my husband eye- eyeballs. I'm like, you're off. Mm-hmm. Something's off. Something's What's going on? <laughs> like, you know, and a lot of times it's like me trying to pull that out mm-hmm. and like, it's okay to admit that you had a shitty day. It's okay. Right. Let's just, tomorrow's going to come. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's going to come. Yeah. Just admit it today. <laughs> leave it in today and like, let's, let's keep moving. I definitely agree with that. Um, what would you, do you, if you have one, what would be your ideal client? Hmm. Do you have even thought of that? It's funny because when you've been, so this is my sixth year um, working in counseling. Mm-hmm. So over time, it just becomes that you get the people that you're supposed to have based off of what you put out. So a lot of times people find counselors or therapists on Psychology Today, a big site uh, where you can find therapists. And if, if you don't know how to find therapists, that's a great place to look because uh, all therapists, it, it's like a monthly subscription for therapists, but you put yourself out there and you have like a photo, it shows where your practice is, your website, and then a little bio. And so a lot of times we get a lot of referrals from there. I would say probably like 80, 90% of my referrals come from there just because I see, and it's 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 kind of funny because it's really like Tinder for therapists, right? right? They just see one photo of you. You can put photos of your office mm-hmm. and outside of that, you just have a bio. bio. I attract the people that, feel they need me right from that right that's crazy so i would say the person that is ideal for me is tired of where they're at Mm. that's very vague Mm. that's very vague but they are so tired of where they're at that they're ready to do anything and a lot of time that means diving into tough shit fast Mm. and so yeah that's that that kind of feels like very on brand for the clients that i have i like that Predominantly women, I will say that, and probably because I am a, a woman, right? Like, and so yeah, I'd probably say right now my caseload is probably like seventy percent female mm-hmm. and thirty percent identify as male. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what what is the the favorite part of what you do and the least favorite part? Of- Mm. least favorite parts is clinical notes okay yeah. that's just the worst <laughs> that came so fast didn't it that was the truth and i think that any therapist anyone that's listening to this that works in any mental health is like yep that's it <laughs> clinical notes because it's just a lot it's mm. just like a little quick entry of whatever you just talked about that day mm. but it's necessary because insurance or third-party payers or 
whoever needs it. We also need it too to like look back at what we talked about or whatever, but it's just, it's a lot of extra stuff. Mm-hmm. Favorite part is I wish I had a really eloquent way of saying <laughs> that it's the wins. It's the wins for me. Mm-hmm. Like a client coming in and saying, I sent the email. I'm like, hell yeah. This email that we've been talking about and working on or, or whatever, or I broke up with someone. Mm-hmm. I, I, I left them or left them. Um, I think it's – if that's something that they've been wanting to mm-hmm. do and work on. I think it's like when when I'm in session with them and they're like, oh, my gosh, and they catch it. They're mm-hmm. also like, I just said the thing that I don't want to do anymore, mm-hmm. and they said it. And I'm like, this is a win. Like, yeah. I'm like my hands are in the air. I'm like, this is it. This is why wow. I do this, yeah. you know? It's just, yeah, it's the wins. It's not all glamorous either. You know, sometimes it – those wins come with like cutting off a family member mm-hmm. because this this family member is toxic. Yes. This family member has caused a lot of turmoil and stress and X Y Z. But yeah, the wins. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, in your opinion, what makes a good therapist? I had a gut instinct. Mm. I had a gut reaction. <laughs> My gut reaction is presence. Uh-huh. Being right there. Uh, I, I will say I do a really great job of that. Uh, I'm really great at when you're in the room with me, there's nothing else going on. Mm. And you're not going to know that anything else is going on. I, I'm very strategic between sessions too. Like I have to step outside between every session, just clear my head, walk a little bit, or I lay on the floor and I'll just stretch out. Um, but yeah, like presence, I think just like being okay with saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times people will come to a therapist and be like, oh, they'll be able to tell me what to do. That's not our job. Our job isn't to give you advice. Our job isn't to tell you what to do. It's to literally just support you, mm-hmm. be a secure relationship in your life and a healthy one. Yeah. So those, those things, yeah. Pre- presence, being okay with, I don't know. Holding space, not rushing things, putting um, putting the responsibility back on the client. Like there, there'll be times that clients come into my office and they'll be like, "What? What are? What should I do?" And I'm like, "I, you know me. I'm going to take that question and flip it right back around. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> well, I'll talk to the options with you, but I'm not deciding that. This mm-hmm. isn't going to be on me. This right. is this is your responsibility. Yeah, that's probably what I'd say about a a, a good therapist." Okay. Yeah. So what is it like owning a practice? <sighs> Up and down. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's this like really funny meme that my business partner sent. So right when we opened a business, we were like, we did it. And then the next time you're like, oh, are we sure we did? Right. You know, you're like, ah, like <laughs> you hold your breath a little bit. And every move that we've made, I mean, we just expanded the practice. Literally today's what the today's the third two days ago <laughs> we just expanded the practice again mm. so at this point you know in three th- we just this is our three-year anniversary actually nice. um so in three years we've went from one office that was 10 10 by 13 feet to now we have eight offices a group room a conference room and a kitchen two waiting rooms that's a nice expansion that's a big expansion mm. yeah and we're and i think that we're still like can we do this you know yeah. 
Um, but she sent me this meme and it was like, <laughs> like makes $500 in one day. Next day makes 32. Shit, I'm quitting. <laughs> like, that's the perfect representation yes. of owning a business, yes. I think. Like, <laughs> yeah. And uh, our, our theme song is um, Life is Good mm -hmm. by Drake, like working on the weekend like usual. Because, um, you know, when you own a business, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. They Like, I don't think the employees understand you're at night figuring out, okay, I have rent coming up mm -hmm. in two weeks. We got to pay them this. I got to read 52 clinical notes and sign off on them because I'm their supervisor. They just don't see all those little things. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got 32 denials from insurance. We got to rebuild those. There's just a lot to <laughs> keep track of, yeah. you know, and therapy world is just so different because if you, you really get paid for the individual you see. Right. So if you don't, if you don't, someone doesn't show up, you don't get paid mm -hmm. for that time. Right. So it's just, it's just a different world. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is a, that's, like you said, whenever you hear, you peel back that curtain, that's when you learn everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And owning, owning your own business is, uh, it can be terrifying and uh, it does come with its rewards, but for the most part, it is definitely it's a task. It's not for the fan part, I would say. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I would say um, you have to really know that this is what you want to do and just commit. Absolutely. I would say that. Um, it's definitely a relationship with your business yeah. <laughs> and a partnership. Like, you know, I think that's the other thing. I, I've only been able to do this because of Lenita, mm -hmm. my business partner. Um, I would not be able to do this without her. Mm -hmm. We met in our master's program. So mm -hmm. like, and then, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, of course, you, you see my energy in the gym. Mm -hmm. I'm that same way all the time. Right. So it's like I'm, I'm usually like, whoa, like, let's go. Like, mm -hmm. that's that's really who I am. Right. And when she met me, she was just like, that girl's smiling a lot. Do I want to be her friend? <laughs> <laughs> and then now that she knows me, she's like, okay, I need Ashley time. Like, I need <laughs> Ashley's energy. Like, and we just have a beautiful relationship. So, yeah, you have to have a good business partner, too, mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. If, that's, if that's what you want to do. If right. you want to do a solo Thing, that's great and and in my field it would be so lonely yeah. if, I, if i didn't have her all all the employees mm. man so what what doors would you say have been open because of your profession if any mm. yeah so in, in invitations to speak a lot um nice. yeah i've done a couple podcast episodes um before uh lonita's done a couple uh, also as well, we get asked to, um, do write-ups for like little magazines or like little websites, um, just about like us and our practice or, um, uh, trying to think about, uh, like in the, like the Columbia times or whatever, the mm. free times, like we had, we had stuff in there. Um, let's see, presenting at conferences. We've done a lot of that. Okay. Um, and that's not maybe necessarily like specific to our practice as much as it's just like over the things that we're doing right. in our practice, right. which is pretty cool. People want to work for us. So we get, you know, we have fantastic employees mm -hmm. and people that want to stay, which means we're doing something right. Hey, that's rare. Especially yeah. in this in this day and age. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. I actually want to be there. Yeah. So I think that part's beautiful. Like, I think it's just, it's all about that culture piece. Mm -hmm. The culture is like, they, they, they see what we do. They want to be a part of it. They see that we're just like authentic and honest. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. I like that. So yeah, we've had a lot of random opportunities to do things. 
Um, yeah, it's been pretty cool. Nice. So do you have any um, mentors that you look to for guidance? Yeah. So whenever you're like in supervision, you it's it's like best practice to have more than one person. So you have a lot of different points of view. So I had three different supervisors that I went to and all for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So one was a very trauma heavy person because like I needed to be able to process through like, did I make the right steps here? Mm -hmm. Supervision is so important. That's another tip. Like, please see a supervisor always. (laughs) But um, yeah, so different. So one was a trauma one. One was like, more just like assessing me and just like my growth and like self of the therapist work, like what is happening with me in session to know like, am am I checking myself like I need to? Or like, you know, there's times in session where I'm crying too. Mm. And I'm like, what's hitting me? You know, like what they, what about what they said is it's hitting something in me. And so like, I got to check that at the door and then another therapist and then another supervisor. So yeah, all of them are my mentors and I'd still call all of them to this day. And just be like, hey, I need to like do a check in with mm-hmm. what with what's going on. Of course, in the in the PhD program, a lot of our professors they're great with mentoring that process because they've all done licensed work mm-hmm. in a lot of different areas and fields. And so a lot of times I can lean on them too. Nice. Or peer supervision, we do a lot. Whereas like we'll talk about like a treatment team, like where we talk about difficult cases or difficult things that are going on with mm-hmm. with our team of employees, just to show we're also human. Right. It's, I think it's good to be able to bounce ideas um, off of certain people, um, not only your peers, but, you know, someone who has more expertise in the field than yes. you are. Um, it's, it's never good for you to be the smartest person around, you know. You always yeah, need to have right? somebody um, <clears throat> to kind of, like you said, keep you checks and balances, to keep you on that, that straight and narrow, if you will, or just to check and make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, and then one day, if you're not already, you'll become that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it feels like it. Like there's that process too. And it's funny because I still get supervision mm-hmm. still, and I'm a supervisor. <laughs> and so sometimes my, my supervisees will come to me and they'll be like, I, I need help with this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm going to reach out to people I know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and try to figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's like a cycle process. <laughs> I really enjoyed this interview. It's, um, I feel like, like I said, we've unpacked a lot. For me, I always feel each episode has its own um, therapy in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I always either reveal something um, about myself that I never really talked about or just a thought <clears throat> that I wanted to work out with somebody. That's my, my main reason for doing it at this point is just I, I enjoy the one-on-one and, you know, getting getting to know people. Um, a majority of the people that I interview, um, I know them, but I don't, after the interview, I really know you. Right. You know, it's right. like it's like the relationship could go to the next <laughs> level because we, we figured out um, some stuff that we would have never known right. otherwise. Um, and I, I really appreciate you agreeing to be on today. It was a amazing episode yeah um, but before we get out of here yeah, i always yeah. like to um end up with the too stubborn to fail moment basically mm-hmm. a moment where you had to overcome adversity that sticks out the most for you what was that moment for you yeah hmm. a moment of overcoming adversity of course there's like a lot that come to mind 
I think I, I really want to say it all connected to psychology and counseling and stuff was, is really just like opening the practice mm-hmm. and being such like a niche area downtown. We're very, you know, culturally diverse, which is cool. And LGBTQ ally friendly um, and people know it and we're a safe zone. I think that making the decision to do that, like, you know, I, I'd made my business partner Pinky promise to do this PhD program and she was like, only if you open a practice with me. Mm. And I think that I was so, it's weird because like I wasn't hesitant about the PhD at first and then, but I was hesitant about choosing myself and like actually growing a practice. Right. And Shit, we've been damn successful. Like, <laughs> like I would say so. <laughs> and and I think that sometimes, like you know, yesterday we were sitting and talking, and just like, our th- we're we're three years old. Like our our business is three years old. It's successful. It's people want to be here. People want to work for us. We have clients out the wazoo. Like, you know, we have so so much great stuff mm-hmm. that I'm like I had such a I had my my fear could have really gotten in the way. Mm-hmm. I think that my fear of like, what if I fail? My fear of like, what if I can't do this? Mm-hmm. My fear of like, what if I can't pay rent? Um, I think that there's all those things that come forward whenever you have these big life moments. And I I put a million dollar chip on myself. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I'm just, I'm really proud that I did that. And I'm really proud I said yes to that. And I was, I just felt like I was too stubborn to fail. I like that. Um, It's weird because I think we all kind of go through that doubt in a sense. And it's like, the the, the funny thing is, whatever you're doing, you're never going to have 100% of those answers up front. You just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, figure out the rest later. I mean, not, not going into it blindly, but... Like I said, you'll never have 100% of what you're supposed to do. Some stuff you won't learn until you actually do it. Right. You don't know what you don't know. You just got to do it and um, go roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. That's an awesome, awesome moment. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, But before uh, our last last little caveat, do you have any closing remarks that you want to say? Any any last minute things that you'd like to say? Yeah. well, one, thanks for pushing me outside of work. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. So thanks for being just a motivator here because like, I know that that when I'm showing up in the morning, I'm going to see you. Mm-hmm. And when I don't, I'm like, is everything okay? Right. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, so just thanks for that. And like, it's just been a cool, a cool friendship mm-hmm. that's kind of blossomed out of this, out of this process. Who knew title could kind of bring this together. Um, when you work hard, you, I guess you can play hard too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my, my caveat is really connected to the mental health side of things and it's, and it's make the call to the mm-hmm. therapist that you've been looking at. Okay. Like, and, and not just you, right, right. just in general is like, you know, you you need to get that thing that's in the front of your mind off. You need to you need to lay it down. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. We carry it around every day. Make the call. Reach out to the therapist. Um, and your life can be changed. I think that's a very interesting point. Um, we all need therapy, and I think a lot of times it's a negative connotation to it. Like mm-hmm. you, it's not necessarily for some reason it's tied to something being wrong with you. At the end of the day, crazy mm. in quotes. I'm saying right, like so you're you're crazy. Mm. Something's wrong. 
no, we it's a checkpoint. Mm-hmm. Let let's change that narrative. Yep. Yep. We gotta unpack. We gotta unpack. We gotta unpack. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing episode of the yeah. Too Stubborn to Fail podcast. Um, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Uh, it'll help us out tremendously. Today we had an amazing guest in the building. <laughs> I would say a title warrior. If you yeah, I love that. <laughs> title, <laughs> title, title warrior. warrior. <laughs> Ashley Waddington in the building today. Mm-hmm. And we are checking out.